Welcome to Expositional Excerpts. I'm your host, Matthew Pilch. I pastor Grace Fellowship Baptist Church in Port St. Lucie, Florida. Let's dive into the Word. In today's episode, we will pick up the text in Genesis chapter 22, starting in verse 3. And this entire chapter is really addressing the idea of attested faith, specifically Abraham's faith, which is being tested. And of course, by application, we all face various trials and tests of our faith, as we well know, and even looked at it in the previous episode, because James tells us that we do, and we have other places in scripture as well. In verses one and two, we saw that God tests the faithfulness of believers by asking them to surrender to him the best that they have. Now, as we continue verses three through 10, we see secondly that faithful believers are willing to surrender their best and to trust the Lord with all aspects of provision and outcome. Let's pick up the text at verse three. So Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, and took two of his young men with him and his son Isaac. And he cut the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. On the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place from afar. Then Abraham said to his young men, Stay here with the donkey, I and the boy, or lad, we discussed that yesterday, will go over there and worship and come again to you. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac his son. And he took in his hand the fire and the knife. So they went both of them together. And Isaac said to his father Abraham, My father. And he said, Here I am, my son. He said, Behold the fire and the wood. But where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham said, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. So they went both of them together. When they came to the place of which God had told him, Abraham built the altar there and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then Abraham reached out his hand and took the knife to slaughter his son. Just absolutely packed uh, in those verses there. I mean, it is a narrative, as we discussed before, the entire uh, entire section here uh, serves as one literary unit, this whole chapter, uh, this episode regarding Isaac and Abraham's testing of faith. But faithful believers are willing to surrender their best and to trust the Lord with all aspects of provision and outcome. We see in verses three to five that Abraham is faithful to obey God's call to worship. God tells him to leave and he does. He rises early in the morning, saddles his donkey, takes everything that he needs. He cuts the wood for the burnt offering, arose and went to the place of which God had told him. And on the third day, he lifted up his eyes uh, and saw the place from afar. Okay. And then he said to his young men, stay here with the donkey. I and the boy will go over there and worship and come again to you. So he's faithful to uh, obey God's call to worship. One of the things that stands out to me as we work through this text is specifically in verse five, it's pretty straightforward. He takes what he needs. He has a couple of attendants that go with him all the way to the very end. And then, and, and by that all the way to, to the last point that they can go. And then it's just going to be between him and Isaac after that and the Lord, obviously. 
But in verse five, uh, you see something come out here. He said to his young men, stay here with the donkey. I and the boy, I and the lad will go over there and worship and come again to you. So whatever is going on in Abraham's mind, and we are told elsewhere in scripture that he believes in the resurrection of the dead, uh, you know, all of those things, but he believes that no matter what, at the end of this episode, both he and Isaac are going to return again. And that's really interesting to see here in verse five before anything has even transpired. He understands clearly what the Lord has called him to do. There's, there's no mistaking what is, what is being asked of him. He said, you know, he's told in verses one and two, offer your only son, the son whom you love as a burnt offering. So there's going to be death. Abraham understands that death is going to take place and he is piecing this all together in his mind that the one who called him out of his homeland, who has led him this far, who has delivered him from the hands of his enemies and protected him in his various various episodes in which we find him, that God is able to restore to him the life of his son. After all, he did say that through Isaac, all the nations, all the, all the peoples of the world, all the nations of the earth would be blessed. And well, through Abraham and specifically then through, through Isaac. So we definitely can already see in verse five that his faith has matured. In the past, when faced with some of the trials that have come along, he hasn't done so well, and he has instead opted for deception at the best. Not saying that it's a malicious lie, but to allow people to be deceived, to think that his wife is his sister and all of that stuff is showing that there's no trust in the Lord, or at least not as much. Here, it's hard to get away from that because the Lord is, he can't be deceived. He can't be mocked. Uh, he doesn't lie. And it's very clear what is, what is being required. And so Abraham is faithful to obey. And we see that already in verse five, his faith has matured to this point where he recognizes that his son is going to die, or at least in his mind, that's what he thinks is going to happen. And he is confident that he will receive his son back to him, restored as in resurrected from the dead. So confident is his faith that as we move into verses six through 10, which we just read, we see that this faith continues. Not only is he faithful to obey, to get up and leave and go and begin this process, but he's faithful to trust God to provide. And so not, you know, he leaves his attendants there. He loads Isaac up right? He takes the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac, his son. That's not him, you know, getting ready to sacrifice him there. He's just saying his son was really because they're leaving the donkeys there. So now his son has to carry the wood. So he took in his hand, the fire and the knife, uh, everything that he's going to need to make this offering. And they went both of them together. And in the midst of this, Isaac looks around just very practically saying, you know, I understand that we're going to worship the Lord. Worship involves a sacrifice sacrifice usually involves an animal and says, we didn't bring an animal, (laughs) right? Where is the lamb for the burnt offering? God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering. My son, Abraham says. So we see incredible faith there. Uh, He's faith. uh, He's trusting in God to provide the, the lamb, 
But we also would t- do well to take note of the fact that this uh, faith here is not just on Abraham's part. Clearly something has happened in his uh, training up and his rearing of Isaac, his son, which as we established in the previous episode, this boy, you know, wording here, I and the lad, the Midrash, you know, the Hebrew tradition places Isaac in his 30s. There may be a case because of the clear link to the cross and, you know, this picture, the only son of this man, uh, and God gives his only begotten son, John three sixteen, that maybe he's in his early 30s, uh, but no one places him as just this young, helpless, physically weak boy who's just being overpowered and doesn't know. Uh, that's not the consensus here. He He's really a young adult man or what we would consider just a full adult. And so there is, you, you know, when you think about it from that standpoint, that's pretty incredible because not only is Abraham demonstrating a mature faith and trusting that God will provide, but we see here that both of them go. And, you know, he, Isaac asks him the question in verse 7. Abraham answers that God himself will provide the lamb for a burnt offering. And then we see at the end of verse 8, so they both went, uh, so they went both of them together. And so Isaac is at least saying, okay, I'm going to trust my father and I'm going to trust the God of my father. There has been some instruction here, and I don't think that it's reading too much into the text. I mean, the point is, is, you know, he's old enough to, to make a decision on his own, and yet he is willing to follow his father, willing to walk by faith in, in this incredible journey here. And you know, what's more, verses 9 and 10, they come to the place of which God had told him, so God directs him. He said, I'll show you when you get there. And so clearly that takes place here in verse 9. There, you know, God directs him, and Abraham builds the altar, lays the wood in order. And then we find this in verses 9, verse 9 and then 10, that he binds Isaac, his son, and lays him on the altar on top of the wood. Now, keep in mind that if Abraham was 100 when Isaac was born. And a lot of people are thinking that he's around 30, you know, and like I said, Jewish tradition is putting him at 37. Abraham's now 130 plus years old. He is not exactly a young man, just full of vigor and strength and endurance. What's more, Isaac is. And, you know, if he is absolutely in fear of his life at this point, He could easily, no doubt, from a human standpoint, overpower his father and say, I'm out of here, right? We have to stop and consider that. So what kind of faith is present, not only mature faith on Abraham's part, but what kind of faith is present in Isaac's part? He is just as much of an interesting case study in this whole narrative as Abraham is. I mean, this focuses on Abraham's faith and his willingness to sacrifice his only son. All of that is clearly on Abraham, but there is an aspect where Isaac comes into this because of his age, because, uh, you know, he has that ability and he yields himself. You know, Abraham doesn't 
probably, you know, it says that he bound Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. There's no way that Abraham could pick him up and lay him there. He didn't like subdue him and drug him and pick him up all by himself. Isaac probably laid down on top of the wood and yielded himself to be bound, all of those things. And then we see that Abraham really does understand this to be what he had heard, that God is requiring the death of his son and that's going to require him to kill his son and then offer him there as a burnt offering. He is fully convinced in his mind, as we've already seen evidence from verse five, that he's going to be able to see his son resurrected from the dead. So in his mind, he's worked it all out, but you still have to go through it. How traumatizing would that be? And again, like we said, and I can't stress this enough, this is not the type of test that I could ever design for somebody else, because I don't know the ultimate maximum limitation uh, of somebody and their breaking point. Only God does. And God knew exactly how far uh, this would go and knew exactly at the right time to stop all of this. Because we also said that God does not delight in the death of the righteous and his own children. Uh, God is not, uh, you know, some vindictive God who requires uh, animals, you know, or human sacrifice to be appeased like the pagan gods, Molech and Baal and, uh, well, specifically Molech, right? He's not that. And so this requirement here is more to do with the test than it is the character of God. But Abraham, again, like we said in the previous episode, he doesn't know that this is a test. He's got to go through with it. So verse 10 is also very key to this whole thing. After Isaac has done his part, laid down on the altar and yielded himself to be bound, Abraham reaches out his hand and takes the knife to slaughter his son. That is the intent there. That is the purpose. It's not just a gesture. He is really willing. We have to understand how forceful this language is that he is, he is on the verge of going through with the act of killing, of slaughtering his son. This word that is translated slaughter, I mean, is the typical word that is used for ritual animal sacrifice throughout the Levitical law. When you see, uh, when we get to the book of Leviticus and you look at those opening chapters that talk about how an animal is to be killed by the priest for the purpose of worship and offering unto the Lord, whether it is a sin offering or a burnt offering, whatever the type of offering the animal is going to have to be killed when it says that they are to slaughter that animal. That is the word that is used here. This isn't some kind of sleight of hand, some trickery here. This is, this is that. And so we have to understand this, that there's no way to get around this, that that there's no way to sugarcoat this and say that it's something that it's not. I mean, this is the intent of Abraham. This is how he understands the words of God. This is what he is going through with in his own mind. And so again, we come back then and we look at this as a whole from verses three to 10 and we say, okay, he is a faithful uh, believer. He is one who has put his faith in God and now is mature in that. And we see him willing to surrender his very best, the thing that he loves most, his son. He is willing to surrender that and he's willing to trust the Lord in all aspects. At this point where we're leaving the text, he has no idea what is going to take place next. He has some inkling in his own mind of how he's worked it out to be able to trust the Lord to, to figure this out, but he really has no idea. Uh, 
And as we prepare to wrap up this particular episode, and, and we'll come, I think we'll probably leave it here and then tackle the rest of it in, in our next episode. What we have to do is we have to say, okay, how does this translate to you and me? Well, we're probably not going to be asked to, to give quite to this extent. Uh, and we know that the Lord is not speaking in dreams and visions and, and direct voices from heaven. We, we don't see the heavens opening up. Uh, you know, the last time that happened was, at, you know, in Jesus' earthly ministry, it is baptism. Here's a voice from heaven. This is my beloved son with whom I'm well pleased. You know, all, all of that. We don't have that today. So that's probably not going to happen. But the question is, is when we're following God by faith, are you willing to surrender your best? Hopefully you've had an opportunity over the last couple episodes to think about what that is. What, what is most precious? What is the most valuable thing? And I don't just mean in terms of monetary value, although it could be that. Are you willing to say, yes, Lord, here it is. Whatever, whatever I have, I know is a gift from you. And whatever you want, I'm willing to give it to you, no matter, right? Okay, so that's number one. But the other aspect is not just your willingness. You don't always know what the future holds. I don't either, okay? And I'm the first to say that. I don't know what is in store for the future. I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. I don't even know what's going to happen later today. And so there's an aspect where, you know, our faith isn't just something that's tangible on a Sunday where we come together with other people and we talk about God and we open the word. It should be a day to day. It should be, it should be on our minds always. It should be on, you know, on our lips always, on the tip of our tongue. We should always be thinking about the Lord, you know, in that sense, the great Shema, you know, th- this is that passage, Hero Israel, Lord, our God is one Lord, Right. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And, and then you shall what? <laughs> you shall bind up his words and, and you know, wrap them on your heads and, and write them on your doorposts. And you shall speak of them when you get up and when you walk in the way and when you return back home and you'll teach them diligently to your children. All of that in, in Deuteronomy chapter 6. That's what we need to be doing on a daily basis. Why? Because not only should we be willing to surrender, but we need to be trusting the Lord with all aspects of provision and outcome. And as we've seen so clearly from the text today, it's so evident that we don't know. We can take an educated guess, but I think, you know, we're all probably familiar enough with this story that we know how this is going to end. He's not going to end up killing Isaac. Okay. Spoiler alert. All you have to do is read the next verse. Okay. He's not going to kill Isaac. So as best of his, his educated guess, it was wrong. It demonstrated great faith. He assumed that Isaac was going to be able to be resurrected from the dead and restored to him, but it was wrong. And, and that's the point is that we don't actually know. Are you willing to trust the Lord when you have no idea? And I think as an intellectual exercise, it's easy for us to say, yes, of course, but sometimes it's hard, very practically speaking. And this is a challenge for us because when the way is unclear, our our guide, our charter, our map for the future. You know, Psalm 119, that word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path always. Uh, it is our charter and our compass, as I heard a preacher say many years ago. And, and that's what we need to do. We need to walk by faith and we need to trust God with the outcome. Well, we'll leave it there. We'll come back in our next episode and pick it up starting in verse 11. 
This has been another podcast of expositional excerpts with Pastor Matthew Pilch. If you'd like more information, please visit our church website at gfbc.net. Thank you.